listening to the Success Leaves Clues podcast, where we're having conversations with regular people doing outstanding and legacy-changing things in corporate America and entrepreneurship. If you're looking for the blueprint to help you make less mistakes on your journey to freedom and ultimate purpose, then this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Dr. K. So, I got a question. Why did you choose the hair industry? Because I always, not a knock on the industry, and I'm sorry for how this sounds, but I always thought of barbering, cosmetology, hairstylists as the people who couldn't get a job. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? That is that hurt my Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around two. 200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Art. Well, listen, my uncle lives in, uh, not my uncle, my cousin lives in D.C. Okay. Barber. He became a barber because he's a felon. Mm. So he couldn't get, I've always just seen barbers as um, very talented, right? Very talented, yeah. But people who really had no other option. Mm. That's, and I'm, I'm quite sure that's a, a misconception or the bad way to think about yes. it. Yes, <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> so. Um, so, I would, you know, it's funny you say that. And I'm not ignorant to the fact that there are a lot of um, convicted felons that end up in the barbering industry. But the way I like to look at it is, is that the hair industry is a very forgiving industry. I mean, because when we talk about convicted felons, it's really hard for them to jump back into society because a lot of people hold that over their heads. Right. Oh, well, is he trustworthy or are they trustworthy? It could be he or she. Right. And Mm -hmm. there is a lot of there's a a stigma that comes with a convicted felon. But with the hair industry, you can start all over. You can be your own boss. You don't have to worry about someone hiring you. And with someone who is getting their hair done or a haircut, you know, those problems that they're looking to get solved. They're not worried about, oh, what's this person's background? You yeah. know, so I don't I don't see it that way as, you know, a last resort. I mean, I guess it could be for some. I, I'm sure some people fell into the industry because they couldn't get a job um, with their past. But then there's a whole nother, you know, um, group of folks who have been in corporate America making six figures you know, in a, in a corporate setting who felt restricted with their creativity and who left really high paying jobs to start their hair salon or barbershop. I mean, I've heard countless stories like that. Um, I've seen people who have left the military uh, because, you know, they were like, I just, I, I wanted more and I wanted to own my own business. And they're flourishing in the hair industry. So I get it. You know, yes, there are some people who can't do anything else and they fall into that industry. But I would say the overwhelming majority of people in the hair industry are there because they want to be and because there is a lot of money to be made in this industry. Yeah. And you show me that all the time. I <laughs> um, the, the kind of limitless potential that people have in that industry and the way you help them as far as managing and structuring their business and running it like a real business yes. is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, in when you're when you're going through barber school or cosmetology school, the business side of it, they don't really teach. And here's the thing. I don't knock the cosmetology schools, the barber schools for not teaching him, because in reality, 
you have to think about what the goal is of a barber school, of a cosmetology school. Their number one goal is to help you pass that exam, you know, so that you can get your license. Now, if you had to know business knowledge in order to pass that exam, that they would teach it. But their sole goal for that school is to get you to pass that exam. So that's what they're. And then they got stats, right? They got they got numbers and a quota to meet yeah. to show that they have a good success rate. Exactly, because if they want more people to enroll in their school, what they need to show is that hey, you know, a high percentage of our students pass the exam. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a it's a way to measure the success of that school. So it's not about oh, we taught you about taxes. I mean, I could say the same thing for college. You know, I. I have a degree in economics from the University of Maryland. They didn't teach me diddly squat about taxes. No. (laughs) (laughs) And listen, and I took accounting. And in accounting, they don't even teach you about taxes because accounting is not taxes. Yeah. Accounting shows you or, or, you know, is the language of business into ultimately how much you have to pay in taxes, but accounting is not taxes. So mm-hmm. where are you supposed to learn this stuff? I had to learn it on my own. I had to go and read the tax code, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I had to, to learn it because they don't teach this stuff. They really do not. What made you the kind of person to go get that information? Because it's, it's not easy to be self-motivated and driven, especially when you're already an entrepreneur, you're running a business and that's overwhelming and keeps you busy. Yeah. But then you've got to take extra steps and extra hours and dedication to teach yourself now this tax code and accounting and all these other things. Yeah. I think the motivation for me was, and I've shared this story before, but, you know, having a very successful salon was one thing. And I tried to go buy a house and was denied because my paperwork wasn't right. I wasn't showing that I was making money in my hair salon. And before I had my hair salon, I had a distribution company. So I've always had businesses in the hair industry. And even that business, I didn't show income, but my bank accounts had money. Like I know the business was doing well. I just wasn't showing it. And I was taught, oh, you want to have as many expenses as possible, you know, even if it's fabricated, because yeah. you want to pay the least amount in taxes, right? That's right. that's what I was taught. Even my dad, my dad's an entrepreneur. Oh. And, but my mom was the, the, the breadwinner with the W-2 job. We had a house and I didn't realize this until, you know, much later, but it was my mom's salary that afforded us a house. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't my dad. My dad had the cash and, you know, the nice cars, um, but that was income from business and he wasn't paying any taxes. So I didn't learn that from him. I should have, but I didn't, but he couldn't teach me what he wasn't taught. Right. Mm, yeah. So you can't, you can't blame him for that. Yeah, I, can't, so, I can't blame him. He's learning from me now, you know, but, yeah. but I think what motivated me was getting denied for that house and understanding why, because I was so upset and I went to my mom and here's the other thing. Non-entrepreneurs don't get it because when I told my mom that I got denied for a house, you know what her response was? It's because you've never worked for anybody. You've never had a W-2 job, Jennifer. That's why. And so, again, not knowing what you don't know, I went and got a full-time job for the very first time in my 30s. Get a real first-time job because my mom said, that's the reason why you didn't get a house. And I was just like, what? (laughs) Like, that's the reason? Okay, let me go get a job then. And so because I had a degree in economics, I've run multiple businesses. I I got a job in IT. My best friend is an Android developer. And, you know, I talked to him and I was like, Kevin, I need need a real job. Like, how do I even get a job? I've never worked for anybody. Um, Other than when I was in college, I had an internship. And I was a, um, a reporter for Business Week magazine. So I've always been in business. So I was a writer and I was an entrepreneur. And I told, mm-hmm. I told my, um, my best friend, and he was like, well, Jen, you're a strong writer. You've been writing for Business Week magazine. And he was like, you've run your own business and you've told people how to create websites. He was like, you are a systems analyst. I 
was like, what? <laughs> yeah. It was like, you're a systems analyst. You tell people how to build websites and you write the yep. functional requirements. Yep. And the it, business requirements. Right, the yep. business requirements. And at that time, that didn't even make sense to me because I wasn't in, in technology. I wasn't in that world, right? So he was he just sent me um the website dice and was like, I'll 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 you know clean up your resume. And I put my resume on dice. And the first person that reached out to me, I went on the interview. I I didn't lie about any of my experience, I didn't have any experience working a full-time job, but I could write and I've told people how to build my website. And they hired me yeah. on the spot. And so when I got that first that job, I off the break, I was making, I think, $75,000. And oh, I know I know who's making good money because I tease my world. That's my life. Oh, that's your life. Exactly. So you know. But here's the thing. I know business analysts, they make good money. So why would you why would you pass that up to go back to entrepreneurship? Because again, if it's not your passion, I was making great money. But here's the thing, I was making great money, but remember, I, I don't do hair. So I was, I had, I still had the salon and I was working in IT now. So mm. the salon was running itself. And when yeah. I had the IT job and I got the check for the first time, I'm like, wait a minute, my net, I was paying my, some of my stylists more than my net, mm. making 75,000. Yeah. And I was just like, wait a minute. How is it that I couldn't afford a house? I'm making more money than this. And then that's when I started looking. I'm like, okay, like, what is this W-2 thing? And that's when I started looking at the gross, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What I grossed and then what I netted. And it was a big difference. And that's when I was like, oh, this whole tax thing. And I just got really intrigued. I mean, I'm a nerd. I think, you know, anyone who figures in economics um, (laughs) has got to love numbers. So um, I was just really intrigued by that. And I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to make this work. And that's when I really got into taxes. Um, And then also another thing that motivated me was right around this time, I had started going to a church and the pastor was Jewish and he was really into finances and money and entrepreneurship. And so I had never been to a church like this, but he had classes on entrepreneurship and finances and money. And that's when that whole financial world opened up to me and I learned so much. And I was like, oh, I got to I got to get into this tax thing. You wasn't afraid to ask him? Ask him what? No, <laughs> ask him anything. <laughs> I wasn't afraid to ask anything. Um, no, because I mean, uh, my thing is I I was very comfortable. I was the only was that the only woman. I may have been the only woman in the, one of the classes. I know I was on. <laughs> No, I think there was one other black person, but no, I was I was not afraid to ask any questions. And I'm yeah. talking about a room full of Jewish men, Jewish and white men. Yeah. And the it, reason I ask that is because it's it's kind of humbling, right? You're successful in the IT world, whether you want to be there or not. Yep. You're successful in that industry. Mm-hmm. You're an entrepreneur successful in that industry. And a lot of times people have too much ego to say, look, I don't know this area. Mm-hmm. Right? And I want to mm-hmm. ask for help. And so you you recognize that you need the help, but sometimes, you know, pride, ego is not going to go up to this this Jewish guy who you know has the information and say, you know, can you help me? Or Oh, no, I was not shy help. about that at all. I asked all the questions, <laughs> <laughs> all the questions. I was going to Hanukkah parties. I was going to Purim mm. parties. I was going bar to mitzvahs. bar mitzvahs. I was going to all the Jewish holidays. OK, I was going to Passover. I was, I was at every Jewish holiday, okay? I still celebrate Thank Jewish you. holidays. That's why I have my um, Jewish and Christian oh. uh, necklace that I wear all the time. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that, too. <laughs> um, yeah. So you said you owned a salon, but you didn't do hair. Correct. I've never done hair. How, how does that even <laughs> add up? <laughs> It adds up because um, after after I graduated from college uh, with mm-hmm. my degree in economics, like I said, I was um, I was interning at Business Week magazine. So I was a reporter. And when I graduated, I was offered a full time job as a reporter. And they were going to give me the business beat because that's what I was doing already. And but I just didn't want to write. I didn't want to be a journalist. It was very demanding because Business Week. Oh, you know, it was bought by Bloomberg, but um, Business Week 
was a weekly publication. And so, you know, every Wednesday you had to have your story ready and the editors were, you know, line by line um, editing your stuff. And so that just wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted. So I took a year off after I graduated from college and I moved to the Dominican Republic. And when I was in the Dominican Republic, I was taking Spanish classes there and I got just, I've always been intrigued with hair, just love hair, but there was like on a thousand and I just grew really in love with their hair products. And that's where I started the uh, the idea of importing. So I started, when I left the Dominican Republic, I started an importing business. So I imported the hair products from the Dominican Republic and I was selling the uh, products online, retail, and also distributing to Dominican hair wow. salons because I could now, I spoke Spanish. I mean, I wasn't super, super fluent, but I was conversational enough being down there for a year. Yeah. And based on the relationships that I built being a distributor to the Dominican hair salons, I made a lot of connections with, you know, Dominican hair salon owners. And it was a woman who owned a hair salon who came up to me and asked me if I wanted to uh, be an investor in a salon that she was going to open. And I knew how much money the Dominican hair salons made. So I was like, oh yeah, this is a no brainer. Thinking that I was just going to be the money and she was going to run it. But that first year was really, really stressful because I didn't like the way she was running things. And she kept just asking me for more and more money. And I just felt like yeah. a bank at that point. I was I was bankrolling her dreams of this, you know, fabulous salon. And I didn't want to spend money on a new ceiling and new curtains and shutters. And, you know, I'm just like, can we make some money? So... We ended well, up. You have the business fund the business, right? So after that investment to get started, those upgrades should probably come from profits in the business. Absolutely, and then but there were some upgrades that I didn't even think were necessary, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. And so that's when we really start bumping heads. And I, along those t- along like during that time, I think both of us felt that way. I mean, she yeah. felt like she could do it on her own. I never wanted a hair salon, but I still felt like. Not that I wanted it, but I wanted to make my money back because I wasn't ready to throw in a towel and lose all that money. Like I knew I could make my money back plus some, but I was feeling like I could do it without her and she was feeling like she could do it without me. So we agreed to to part ways and she opened up another salon by herself and I bought her out and kept the salon and, you know, ran it on my own. For another four years and the salon just took off because I implemented business principles that I had learned um, from the distribution side, but also from my Jewish pastor, from yeah. you know the classes that I was taking. It's you know, and now I was able to really no, this was before the Jewish pastor. So I had the successful successful salon, but it was the tax stuff that I started implementing based on Jewish pastor. But yeah, so I knew how to make the money. It yeah. was the taxes I didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> that heals people up all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so then how, how do you transition now from owning a successful business and hair salon to saying, hey, look, I see a gap in this industry. People don't have the information and now I'm going to train and educate people or become their accountant or advisor. Yeah. So I think um, when I when I sold the salon, because remember, I never wanted to own a salon. It was I thought I was going to be a silent investor. I didn't want to do the operations of it, but it, it you know it went well. But ultimately, I just it, it didn't fit me, and yeah. I ended up selling it to one of my old hair my stylists. Right. So from there, when I sold it to her. She was having some problems. She wasn't getting the numbers that I was getting. And she was constantly reaching out to me. But at the same time, there was a barbershop next door. And the barbers got used to me being there and would ask me questions all the time, especially when I got great in taxes. So they were asking me questions. And I was always answering phone calls for business questions and tax questions. And so I was just like, you know what? There is a need here. And that's when I started thinking, okay, I can probably turn this into a a business and really meet the needs of this industry specifically. And um, originally, I I thought I was only going to work with barbers because 
the hair salon that I was um, that I owned was Dominican hair salon. So I only spoke to them in Spanish and mm-hmm. I, I spoke more freely. I had more I was I felt like I was more of myself talking to the barbers because it was just communication wise. It was easier for me. Oh, yeah. 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 So my ideal client is a barber, but only because that's where my comfort was at that time. Um, and when I created the business, it was okay. All a lot of my clients were barbers because my my um, my girls, my hairstylist was just from my hair salon. So the girls were continuously calling me. You know, they were ten ninety nine. Um, some of them were W-2. Even when they left the salon, some of them left the salon. They were still calling me to do their taxes. But for yep. the barbers, they were, you know, recommending people to me and, you know, giving people my number. So it kind of chose me. Yeah. I was going to ask you, how did how did you grow? Because taxes and accounting, that's the business of running your business. Right. Yeah. And people don't like that part of it. It's not attractive. Sure. It's not fun. And so how do you convince somebody that they need this and they should be doing this? Or are you not worried about convincing them? And you're saying hey, they're coming in as referrals and it's just organic. No, I think what makes me different is is because I don't have that background of, oh, I was I was always an accountant. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have the background of a CPA where a CPA, they just are book knowledge. You know, even a CPA, you know, most barbers and hairstylists don't even need a CPA because yeah. a, a CPA is a person that just signs off. Not just, I mean, I don't want to, you know, minimize what a CPA does because they're very valuable. I'm just saying that in the hair industry, you don't need a CPA. Um, They sign off on financial documents. They sign off on publicly traded companies' financial statements. Most barbershops and braid shops and hair salons don't need that level of um, professionalism for their books. You know, and so I'm I'm what's called an EA. It's an enrolled agent and a CPA. So I tell people all the time when they say, well, do I need a CPA or EA? I tell them this. I say, you need a CPA to do your taxes. And I have seen CPAs ask EAs tax questions. I have never seen an EA ask a CPA a tax question ever. Mm. So I let them decide. I will never say one is better than the other. But again, an EA is not going to ask a CPA a tax question. But there are plenty of CPAs who will ask an EA tax questions. Right. And that's because an EA specializes. We only deal with taxes. A CPA, again, is all about the accounting behind it to make sure that whatever you put on your financial statements is accurate so that the public can invest their money safely based on your financial reports. That's it. That's a CPA. Yeah. You know what it. I mean? Okay. So, so not every CPA does taxes. <laughs> <laughs> at what point in, in your in your business as a hairstylist barber do I need to start looking for EA? I would say immediately. Now, you need to start looking for an EA or, you know, maybe just a tax professional that specializes in business. There are levels, right? I mean, not everyone needs to work with an EA, but if you're looking for someone who has the ability to represent you, if anything goes haywire to the IRS, because what I will say is, and I've seen this so many times with hair professionals, because the industry, in my opinion, the financial industry they don't have the level of respect that they need to have for hair professionals. And they will tell them anything. I have seen some of the worst tax returns for hair professionals. And it's because they just, at the end of the day, they're like, oh, these people don't want to show money anyway. Okay, how much, you know, we're just going to up your expenses. I've seen, when I tell you some terrible things and I'm just like, this industry, like the financial industry, they're going to get hair professionals in trouble. Like you're going to get the, the, the in more trouble because of the way you're filing their taxes. But um, they need it immediately. What they don't necessarily need immediately is someone to do monthly accounting. So you'll have some people that are just starting out a good tax professional, you need that from day one. 
But okay. once you start getting to about $50,000 in gross revenues, then I would say you need to start having a uh, um, monthly accounting. And that's different. Right. Yeah. And so monthly accounting, you're talking about like a bookkeeper or yeah, I'm talking form? about I'm talking about bookkeeping, but not just bookkeeping, because if someone could really do their own bookkeeping, if they have the time and they have the, uh-huh. the interest. Right. But when I say monthly accounting. So to give you an example, my, my accounting firm, I don't like to just say we do bookkeeping because it's more than bookkeeping. I'm telling you each and every month. OK, this is how much money you make. It's more advisory. So I'm okay. saying, OK, this is how much came in. Based on this, we want to hit these targets. So for take-home money, we want to target 50%. We want to make sure that your expenses aren't going over 30%. We want to make sure that you have put aside 15% for taxes. And then we need to make sure that we're putting at least 5% for savings. And then, okay, what do we need to do with that savings? You know, are we going to buy some investments? Are we going to reinvest into our business? Um, Are we going to take some courses, some you know, continual education, or we're going to go to some expos, you know, like, what are we going to use that money for? So it's more advisory that I yeah. say the accounting services, because it's much, much more than just bookkeeping. How do you stay disciplined with that? I'm talking about the hair professional. Mm-hmm. Because Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O C-O. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's, it's, it's predominantly a cash industry. Yeah. And so it's easy for cash to come in and go out. For sure. Yeah. So, I would say, so is your question how how to how to not have it? You say how to stay disciplined? Yeah, how to stay disciplined, right? I'm a hair professional. If I'm receiving um, you know, if I if I have a business, I get invoices or if I'm getting ACH deposits, it's in the bank. I don't see it, I don't touch it. Right. And it's kind of easy to transfer that to another account. It's kind of easy to manage that. But when I'm getting cash, How do you stay disciplined with that? Yeah, I think, number one, I would say historically, you know, the hair industry has been very cash heavy. Now, I will say that it's changing, you know, Mm -hmm. with all of the third party apps that, you know, accept payments. And also, I think this industry is going through a transition right now where you have more professionals that are trying to operate on the up and up. So what I would say is, yes, it takes some discipline, but I would say what's necessary is a system, right? So I would tell people, if you are accepting cash, have a system for that cash, because in the absence of a system, you're going to, you know, revert back to old habits where, like you say, you're using the cash to pay for something or it it comes in, it goes out just as quickly. So you want to have a system. So like, for example, in my salon, what I would do is the system was you take the cash that came in that day you are putting it in an envelope and you're recording how much cash came in. You're you're putting that aside in a safe. And then I had a day where I deposited all my cash. So mm-hmm. that was the system. But if you don't have a system, then you're just kind of doing anything. And, it, and it's going to be much easier for you to misuse or mishandle the money that's coming in. Yeah, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um I guess you need a system for kind of anything in life, right? Or you're going to kind of destroy yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So the discipline comes from the system and the processes that you have and those habits, right? So that system is going to create the habit and the habit is what's going to create that discipline. Got it. Mm -hmm. Got it. Man, I have, um, when when I started off telling you about my thought on the hair industry, right? Mm -hmm. 
I want to be clear that that was my old way of thinking. There's there because I've I've told you about my daughter, right? So she is she's been doing hair since she was maybe sixth grade. Okay. She she never played with Barbie dolls and stuff. She had mannequins, did hair, all of this stuff. And so um she's 18, she just graduated co- uh high school. Okay. And she's on her way to college and she said, I don't want to do this. I want to do I want to do cosmetology. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had no forms about it. So I'm like, this has been your passion your entire life. <laughs> yeah. So she's going to get um, hooked up with you if you got space. Absolutely. And if not, I'm going to find, recommend me somebody close to as good as she. <laughs> I, I love that you are allowing her to explore that too. I mean, like I say, I think the industry is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got back. I was telling you, I just got back from the CT Barber Expo. Jay Majors, he puts that show on. He does a fantastic job. And I'm talking just it's executed at a different level. It's executed wow. at a, a level of professionalism that this industry hasn't seen. I don't think has ever seen. And it was just an honor being there. You know, I wasn't presenting. I wasn't doing any seminars. I think that's one thing I would tell Jay that's missing, though. Um, is some some <laughs> business education. I'm gonna have to talk to him about that because that was the only thing. You hear that, Jay? <laughs> yeah, Jay, are you if you listening? Listen, <laughs> um, you need to have me do a class because I even talked to some of the barbers there, and it, it was so energizing because these are not your typical barbers, and I'm talking ten thousand plus barbers at this event. So it was just like a mass of barbers, right? And but these are your barbers who are really about you know, uh, executing and, and just running their business at a higher level. And I talked to them about their business and the back end and the taxes. And they were like, yeah, that's one thing. I've got so many questions, the structure. So I was like, okay, yeah, yeah that was the only thing missing. But that show is amazing. And I, I think we're going to see a shift in the industry where just you know the, the the professionals are taking the business part of of what they do more seriously because they're realizing um that the wealth and real estate and um just being able to live a life that you want it, it doesn't it, it doesn't come from evading taxes or you know, trying to be off the grid and only doing cash. Like, I mean, you can live off yeah. the grid. I'm, you know, is it right? No, but can you do it? Absolutely. You want to accept cash and live off the grid? Go right ahead. But where is the growth in that? Where is the yeah. wealth building in that? You know, there is not. You're going to be hood rich. And, and if you're okay with being mm-hmm. hood rich, then by all means, go ahead. You don't need to contact me because I don't want to touch your taxes. I don't want to touch no, I don't want to touch no Good, rich person's taxes. And I'll tell you why. It's because I work with only hair professionals. So if I mess, if I, if I work with a shady hairstylist or a barber and they ever get yeah. audited, it only takes one time. The IRS is going to look at every tax return I do. Mm. And then I put at risk all of my other hair professionals for some one Hair professional that wants to be shady? Nah, I'm not. Yeah, you jeopardize your name and your reputation. Not, but it's not even my name and my reputation because at the end of the day, the burden of proof falls on the hair professional. Okay. But I put my clients at risk. Who wants to deal with the audit? Yeah, yeah. I don't want my clients dealing with the audit. You know, so I'm not touching shady people's taxes. I don't want no parts of it. And I'm and believe me, there are plenty, plenty. <laughs> of tax professionals, CPAs even, that yeah. will do some shady stuff. But I'm not doing it. <laughs> not doing it. I, my clients mean too much. Mm-mm, not doing yeah. it. Mm-mm. Can't have it. I'm glad not. You, you talked about the um, Connecticut Hair Expo. Yeah. How do you stay current in the industry and, um, you know, just in your knowledge as far as taxes also? Well, definitely, definitely not at the, the, the CT Barber Expo. <laughs> Well, you stay current on the industry. That's the industry part of it. So the industry part, I would say the industry part is not for someone like myself. So not for someone like myself, meaning not in the financial space. I went to this particular expo because, number one, 
I wanted to show support to Jay Major because he's been like an early supporter of mine. Before I even had 500 followers, I want to say, he was like on my page hitting me up like, yo, your content is fire. And so yeah. I wanted to support him. But number two, I wanted to be where my ideal clients are. And his show was like 10,000 of them, right? Um, mm-hmm. So the the professionals stay up to date on what's going on in the industry by going to trade shows like these where they can hone in on their techniques. They can, um, they'll, they'll know the latest technologies that are being used as far as tools and equipment, but also products and, um, and networking. So that's how they stay on top of it. Now, as far as yeah. myself, as someone who is an enrolled agent, a tax professional, what I do is, you know, I'm going to events like QuickBooks or um, there's an IRS tax summit that happens every summer that I'm going to be going to in August. Oh, my God. Real nerd stuff. <laughs> Real nerd stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm also... Um, Another thing that uh, oh, another thing that's really important is as an EA, I have to have so many hours of education to stay accurate because if I don't, then they'll take the license away. So they they force you to stay up to date on tax laws, and then of course any I like I subscribe to nerdy tax stuff, so I'm always getting emails from the Tax Foundation, the IRS, Guidewire, so you know all the nerdy stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing that you have found something that you're passionate about and that you can pursue and, you know, make it comfortable for you. The lifestyle that you want, it can, you know, fund anything that you want as far as your dreams. Not many people get to do that. And most people think of something like that as your rappers, your actors, you know, NBA players, something like that. Right. Yeah. And there's so many other things that you can be passionate about and amazingly successful. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. And and another thing is, is that, you know, when I was doing the, the taxes and the accounting services, what I found was that when people weren't ready to work with me, they still wanted to work with me. Right. They were like, well, and I let them know, like everyone, you, you're not there yet. Like, it, yeah. you know, it, okay. it's not time for you yet, but I have them go through another kind of route where I do business coaching. So if they're not ready for that monthly accounting and tax strategy, then they go through the um, the business coaching, which is a 12-month program right now. It may change to maybe a six-month program, but right now it's 12 months and they go through that and that pretty much makes them ready to start working with me. Okay. So they have like two routes to really work with me. It's, it's good that you've thought of... Um not being being inclusive rather than exclude you know what i mean yeah uh, and and you're like okay I've, I've got a product or an option for everybody to win and be successful and you're not just like hey look i'm you're not here for me yet you know <laughs> it's like look yeah or or the opposite trying to get people who aren't ready for you you know mm, yeah so i don't i didn't want to force that and 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 say everybody you know everyone needs accounting immediately no that's not true some people need to focus on making money. <laughs> yeah, focus on making money. Before you do accounting, you just need to bring it in, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's what the that's what the business coaching does. And then and here's the thing, some hair professionals, they don't have a problem with making the money, is that they're not keeping the money. So even those need to go through that business coaching because okay. you know, some of them they're making great money monthly, but it's mm-hmm. they're not seeing it translate into their pockets, you know. They're like, where is this money going? They have no clue. So um, you have those as well. What's what's the number one bleed? Oh, supplies. And let me tell you, it's supplies, but I'm like, is this really supplies? You know, I'm seeing stuff like um, some of the crazy stuff I'm seeing. I'm seeing like Marshalls, TJ Maxx, uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of Walmart, Sam's Club. And I'm just like, let me see these receipts. What are you really buying from these places? You know? And um, but I think that's an easy one to to dump money into. And that one needs to really be reined in. So that's one of the first areas 
I investigate when I start working with a hair professional is. But then get down to managing um, the use of product as far as quantity. Let's say you've got, um, I don't know nothing about hair. I'm bald. <laughs> but let's say you got, let's say, let's say you got hair moisturizer, right? Yeah. And you're using too much, mm-hmm. for example. That, that's a bleed. How do you track something like that? So that is difficult. And I'll tell you, um, when I first started working with hair professionals, I would I would suggest to them to, to monitor how much usage of products. But I'll tell you, that's extremely difficult because, mm-hmm. especially in black hair, because of the density and the length differences, it's really hard to track the usage. So, um, and just to give you an idea, like at my salon, like we would portion it out. Like yeah. we would have, okay, these little ketchup uh, containers of conditioner and to make sure that you don't overuse, but not everyone has the ability to do that. And plus as a stylist, like they're just, they're like, they know how many pumps to do or whatever. Is it even worth it? Is it even that big a deal to, to track that? For me, it was because- okay. I had some really heavy handed women at my salon and I had to worry about women doing their hair on my dime. You know, when it was slow, I'd look in the cameras, you know, Big Ben and some of my hairstylists were doing their own hair. Wait, (laughs) you paid for the products and stuff? Oh, yeah. I was thinking when you own a salon, you own the shell, you're renting out booths, they run their own show. No. You actually... Um, no, my, oh. my girls were were getting paid a salary. Mm. Yeah, so there are, there are different ways to operate a business, okay. right? But I will say the overwhelming majority of salon and barbershop ownership has it set up where, you know, people are their independent uh, uh, contractor where they're paying booth rent. Right. That's but, the way I thought of it. Yeah. I, I and the, for me, I really didn't want that because that capped my income. Because at that point, and, be, and because I didn't do hair, right? Uh, for a lot of people, those who rent out booths and chairs, they're also working in the business as yes. a, a, a technician, right? So mm-hmm. the other people are paying their rent, which allows them to take home more money. But for yes. me, I, I would have capped out and it just wasn't worth it for me at that, like doing it that way. So I was able to make more money because I knew that a Dominican hair salon bought into masses. So we would see, you know, maybe 250 people a month. And that's really high volume. And so I'm able to pay my girls a flat rate, a salary, and everything above that expense is profit. You know, of course, based on, you know, my other expenses, but my other other overhead. That's why I was able to make so much money. But it was bringing the people in. My girls didn't have to do any promoting at all. They didn't, I mean, they didn't even speak English. So they couldn't get the people to come in. So I was doing all the pulling of the clients. So you handle the full business, the marketing, the the, the business structure, all of that stuff. And then, um, because I was going to ask you about retention, but I guess it's because it's, it's a niche, you know, and they don't speak, you know, English much. So you're bringing in that clientele for them and they don't right. have to go search for it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I had the the systems in the background to track the retention and the email list and, you know, the text blast and all of these things, the um, promotions that were around holidays or months, you know, special events, back to school, all types of things. So, you know, I was the one implementing all those things to bring in the, the the clients and the hairstylist just had to perform. Man, if if I wasn't already blown away, you just topped it off. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, and that's why I think that's why people are like, well, wait a minute. So that's why I'm able to do the business side, right? Because yeah. it's not just about the taxes. Like these girls weren't just paying me booth rent and they were just, you know, self-promoting. No, I built out the business. And then on the back end, after getting denied from my house, that's when I started doing the taxes. And that was really the missing piece. Because I'll tell you, I find that a lot with hair professionals, especially um, really successful hairstylists. They'll always tell me, like, Jennifer, I'm great at promoting. 
they, you know, have tons of followers on Instagram talking, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers. They do not have a problem, you know, uh, keeping their schedule booked. But this tax thing is always the missing piece for them or the finances, always the missing piece. It never fails. And so some people I don't need to help with the business, like the pulling in the people. They can pull in the clients, but it's that financial piece that they're missing. And um, I just love being able to, you know, come in in that in that space and help out there. Other than helping a technician become bankable, right? So now they can buy the car, they can yeah. get the house and all of that. Have you have you seen that once they get this portion in order that they break levels? Do they? You know, they may be at a plateau, right? Because they're like, okay, your schedule only has so many hours, yeah. so many days. But now you put these processes in place, you put these, uh, you know, tax things in place. Are they able now to break into different levels? Oh, absolutely. You'll have some who want to go into more of the education space. So they're becoming mm-hmm. coaches for other people, right? Because once I've explained it, and once they now know the process, um, they're able to help others. Because here's the thing, even with myself, and I, I, I think I explain things really well, but I'm not going to connect with everyone, right? So yeah. I'm able to teach them something and be based on their experience, they're able now to do some coaching on their own and maybe meet people that connect with them. And then you'll have others who now that they have their paperwork and order financially, they're able to purchase commercial buildings. You know, I have a hairstylist right now. We're working on her getting funded to buy a location so she can stop renting her salon and she can actually buy the salon. And that's going to save her so much money. But that's also her retirement plan, because when she's done, she owns the building. She will own the building and she can rent it out to whoever she wants. Um, I have another client, a barber that I'm working with, and we're actively looking for a location for him because he's done the hard work, you know, paying the taxes, being diligent with the accounting. So now he has all of his uh, paperwork because I will tell you, if you're trying to get into real estate and you know this because you're in real estate, but um, a lot of hair professionals don't know this. It's not just about the tax paperwork because I'm working with a hairstylist right now. She went to a lender and she was, you know, I just started working with her in the on the business side of things. So she's going through my 12 month program and she's talking to a lender. And she was like, Jennifer, um, they need my last three bank account, uh, bank I mean, uh, tax returns, but they need my profit and loss and my balance sheet. And, they, and I'm and she's like, what are those things? I'm like, yeah, you don't have those things. And she thought it was something that I could just like generate. And I'm like, you need accounting software. Yeah. Um, you you don't have accounting software. These are reports that are generated when you are doing your accounting. And so it's not just the tax returns. Like you have to run your business like a business. And if you don't have accounting software, a lender's like, are you really running a business? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> they want to see that profit and loss statement. They want to see that balance sheet. Yeah. You know, how much do you own? The only picture that they can get of your business and the and the stability of your business is what's documented, not what you're saying. Exactly. And sometimes it's not just the um it's not just the tax return, you know. Sometimes it's that more that more information. Now every lender may differ, right? There may be some lenders who don't need your balance sheet, but I would certainly, especially if you're trying to put it in a business name, right? Well, wait a minute. How much how much money does your business owe? You know, how many, I mean, loans you got out there? Yeah. Your balance sheet is gonna say that. Your tax return isn't gonna say that necessarily because your balance your your um your balance sheet isn't on your tax return, especially if you're not an escort, if you're not taxed as an escort, but even then, if you if you're under a certain threshold of income, you don't even have to put your balance sheet. Yeah. So any, you know, lender or, you know, a savvy one is going to be like, mm, I want to see that balance sheet. What's on that balance sheet? Or, you know, how much money you have coming in and where is it going? You know, they want yeah. to look at those things. So you're only going to have them if you're doing some accounting. And whether you do it on your own or you have a, an accounting firm, 
Some somebody need to be doing it. <laughs> well, look, Jennifer, I love your energy. I appreciate you coming on. Um, you've had a busy day, and yeah. I know you've got. I know you got more on your plate. I do. So, look, I've got something that I like to do on every show. The name of the show is Success Leaves Clues Podcast. Mm -hmm. So I like to point out a couple of clues that I picked up in our conversation. But I'm quite sure the audience is going to pick up, you know, more of their own. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, oh, are you going to say the clue or me? If you want to say a clue, you can. Oh, you can. Go ahead. (laughs) I don't want to mess up with your your processes. Jen, it's my turn. Okay. (laughs) No, so... So one thing that I one thing that I picked up is um, that that you're not afraid to follow your dreams and your passion, right? So you had other routes that you could be successful, college educated, IT career, but you're like, look, it means a lot more to me to follow my dreams and pursue my passion, and I think that really has propelled you in life. Definitely, definitely a clue. <laughs> <laughs> Now you're afraid to talk. No, oh, <laughs> no I'm, I'm sorry. Just... Was that so? You you leave a clue, and then I leave a clue. No, I thought we could do it like that. I'm just saying clues that I picked up that you've left for us. Oh, I'm, I'm... okay, gotcha. Okay, I wasn't sure how it was supposed to go. I'm summing it up for the people who got lost in this in this hour, right? Who don't take notes. <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, so that's definitely for the people who aren't nerds like like me and Jen, right? Here's the cliff notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a clue. The other one I would say is um um the the accounting, you know, I mean the the language of business is accounting. And don't neglect the financial piece because it's so easy to neglect it when you just are monitoring the the inflows, not the the outflows. Yes, absolutely. Mhm. And then the third one that I saw that um, really hit me was your processes. So a lot of people do business and it's as the day flows, right? As things happen or as they occur. But once you put some structure to it, um, it helps, like you said, with the discipline. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think another another clue would be don't just go with someone who says they they lead with, oh, I'm a CPA. Because it's a really hot word right now. Oh, I need a CPA. I need a CPA. Like really dive into what that means because not all CPAs do taxes and um, and you may not need it and you may be overpaying just for the title. All right. Yep. Well, thanks a lot. I want to remind everybody out there, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Until next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Be sure to follow Dr. K on Instagram at Dr. K Washington or the podcast page at Success Leaves Clues podcast. We'll see you here next time.